This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. It covers a wide variety of guests and topics. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget, at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. And now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, Jim. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, just want to give people a quick reminder here. Uh, if you happen to have a car that you can donate to Catholic Radio, we don't use them. We don't uh, sell them or anything like that. We take them to auction or we turn them uh, over to salvage and turn them into some cash that comes to the Catholic Radio and helps us stay on the air. So if that applies to you, uh, you can begin the process at our website, catholicradioindy.org, catholicradioindy.org, or by calling us at 317-870-8400. The uh, process is painless and only takes a couple of minutes, and you'll be rid of a car, their boat, motorcycle, RV that you don't need, don't want, and uh, you'll be helping us out a bunch. So catholicradioindy.org or 317-870-8400. Today we're going to be talking about the National Eucharistic Revival and how the local church will be involved. And our guest today is from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Joining us is Dominican priest Father Patrick Hyde. Welcome, Father. Good to be with you, Jim and Bridget. Thanks for having me. And we're actually going to start off our prayer, uh, our show, with a prayer, (laughs) and normally Jim will lead the prayer, but we're asking um, Father Patrick to lead us in prayer, so we'll do that now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May the heart of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament be praised, adored, and loved with, with grateful affection at every moment in all the tabernacles of the world, even to the end of time. Amen. Father, Son, Son and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Father, I want to ask you, you are a Franciscan, is that correct? Dominican priest. Dominican, I'm see, sorry. See the white, uh, see the white no, robe? But, but that, 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 actually helps, <laughs> that actually helps make my point. Uh, you think as a Dominican, the initials after your name would be, you know, D something or other, but it's O-P. Yeah. That doesn't sound like Dominican. Yeah, so, and well, the Franciscans are the Order of Friars Minor, so they, they don't involve their, their founder. St. Dominic founded the Order of Friars Preachers. So we were founded around the same time as the Franciscans to live a life of simplicity, uh, but to live a life as uh, men and women. We have a, uh, women's branches and laity as well, but to consecrate our life to God and to prayer and to each other, and then to go forth from our life of prayer and study and community into the world to preach the good news, and in particular at times of great need within the Church, which and which was one of the times when our order was founded, to preach um, the true faith in the face of challenges and objections from uh, those in the world also. i got to ask, what, what drew you to that order? Well, I, when I was discerning religious life, uh, I was looking, I initially thought I was just called to be a priest, but then I, I, I liked the idea of religious life, of living in community, of, of the common life of the vows, frankly, the idea of not having anything of my own, uh, the itinerancy, so the idea that we would be moved around and, and go where the mission of the gospel calls us, 
Um, but uh, really, it just came down to I, I, I met the Dominican friars. I'm a, pro- a member of the province of St. Albert the Great. Our headquarters are in Chicago. And I just, I love the guys and I loved our way of life. And I thought to myself, this is the, the way of life God is calling me to, right? That this life of contemplation, study, community living that then manifests itself in the preaching and the proclamation of the Word of God through our ministries, through our apostolates, and then also through pulpit preaching, um, which is a particular um, you know, thing that we take great, um, I guess, pride in as mm-hmm. Dominican friars, is sure. that we can articulately and well present the, the true teachings of our faith. Now, you mentioned uh, the opportunity to move around and things like that. Uh, right now, you are at the St. Paul Catholic Center at Indiana University in Bloomington. Have you been other places since your ordination? Since my ordination of the priesthood, I've actually been, I think, the least itinerant in the whole province. Um, <laughs> but we look at, you know, our life is is a missionary life, so that regardless of where we are as, as Dominican preachers, we believe that we are called to go out into that local environment and to preach and to to share the good news of Jesus Christ and His Church. And so even though it may not be where I'm going from one assignment to another, because I was here three years as the parochial vicar, and I just finished my th- I'm finishing my third year as pastor. Um, I I'm still called to be a missionary preacher, primarily in the parish and on the campus of Indiana University, but then also in the archdiocese and in other capacities um, that uh, the Lord calls me to. Well, we're talking with uh, Father Patrick Hyde, and he is. Um a Dominican priest of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, uh, serving there at uh, St. Paul's Catholic Center at Indiana University. And what caught my eye as I I was looking at this um, really cool National Eucharistic Revival, and I noticed that your name came up and you were chosen or have been chosen as one of the uh, preachers um, for this event. What, What exactly does that mean? So as part of the Eucharistic Revival, I guess the best thing is, is to say is that you know, many people don't know that there is a Eucharistic Revival going on that started at Corpus Christi. It's a, our, our bishops uh, have really been uh, concerned about the declining belief and understanding in, of the Eucharist not, of, among our Catholic faithful, right, that there are Catholics who, who don't believe in the Eucharist or, or don't see the Eucharist and the Sunday Mass as the source and summit of their life. And so the Eucharistic Revival is a three-year initiative of devotion and belief in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And the goal is that it's, it's grassroots, that it's something that sparks in the life of all of the faithful a greater devotion to uh, live a Eucharistic life, which is about being converted and formed and unified by an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist and then sent out on mission for life in the world. And so as part of that initiative, the U.S. Uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops uh, decided to start a, a group of preachers, National Eucharistic Preachers, to go around for the first two years of the revival, 20, from Corpus Christi 2023 uh, to Corpus Christi 2024. We'll be doing diocesan events, and then, or excuse me, 2022 to 2023, diocesan-level events, and then in Cor- from Corpus Christi 23 to Corpus Christi 24, we'll be doing parish-level events to go out and to share uh, the good news of the Eucharist with our people, to encourage them to, in, you know, in their encounter with the Eucharist, and, 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 and enliven them in terms of bringing their own experience of the Eucharist to the people to whom they serve and know in the world. 
I was chosen. I'm not exactly sure how I got involved, other than <laughs> I believe the U.S. bishops sent out a letter to all of the bishops and religious superiors in the country, and my religious superior emailed me and said, are you interested in being a part of this? And that was uh, basically how I got connected with it. There were a few interviews and vetting processes, and then um, from there it, we were invited to a retreat uh, the week before Easter in Chicago at Our Lady of uh, the Angels Mission there in Chicago, on the west side of Chicago. And from all over the country we just got involved or came in and had three days of real formation and prayer as priests, and then we were launched into the mission that's uh, that started on Corpus Christi. Well, you're a great guest to ask this question of, how would you describe the Eucharist? What is it? What does that word mean? And what do we believe as Catholics um, the Eucharist actually is? So we believe the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That in the Eucharist, Jesus, God, because Jesus is, is God incarnate, is fully present, substantially and sacramentally. So when we look to the Eucharist, um, the, what was bread becomes the body, and what was wine becomes the blood of Jesus Christ. It still has the appearance, the accidents, if you will, of those things. But we believe it's substantially changed, that it is God, and that he desires to feed us his beloved sons and daughters. Mm. And so part of that is... Uh, recognizing that there is that real presence, that Jesus is substantially present in the Eucharist. But then the other thing is about the Eucharist that sometimes we overlook, and the U.S. bishops have a, a wonderful document they released last year called The Mystery of the Eucharist in the Life of the Church. They emphasize not only that real presence aspect of the Eucharist, which I, you know is clearly something that a, a lot of our Catholic brothers and sisters may not uh, fully understand, but also the sacrificial nature of the Eucharist, that when we are present at the celebration of Mass, we are present at the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at Calvary, that we are also present there in, in our own sacrifice, in our own participation. So there's the sacrifice, there's the presence, but then there's also the communion. Right? We, I think sometimes we think of the Eucharist as just simply receiving Holy Communion, but there's all those aspects of it, the sacrifice of Calvary, the real presence of, of God incarnate in the in the, in the Blessed Sacrament and in the Precious Blood, but then also communion, real union with God and with each other. Um, and, uh, you know, and this then spurs us as people having that uh, communion in the presence of our Lord and in that sacrificial nature to go out into the world to become and be Jesus for other people. We're talking with Father Patrick Hyde. He is a Dominican uh, priest and pastor and director of campus ministry at St. Paul's Catholic Center at the Indiana University uh, Bloomington campus. And it's uh, it's really interesting. I haven't been down to St. Paul's in a while, but uh, I actually went to IU and I used to go to that uh, parish all the time um, when I attended IU. So it's really super cool that you're there. Uh, what kind of... Um, attendance is there at mass i mean i mean there's obviously quite a few students there at indiana university i mean do you do you guys pack them in there at at the parish or is it more an intimate setting what's what's it like what's the state of what's the state of the church at iu bloomington there at st paul's yeah well one of the reasons i was so eager uh, when asked to be a part of this eucharistic revival as a national eucharistic preacher is because in a very small way I have seen a Eucharistic revival in our parish in Newman Center at St. Paul's on the campus of Indiana University. 
that the effort that we've made over the last 10 years or so to really put the Eucharist at, and an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist at the center of everything we do, we've seen a really marked growth in our ministry. So just to kind of, what does that look like? Well, every day during the year, from Monday, Monday through Friday, our campus ministry staff starts the day with the Eucharistic Holy Hour. Mm. We have Eucharistic Adoration every morning. And we do that not only as a staff, but we invite our focus missionaries, and we have interns, and we also invite students. And, you know, we finally, we've gotten to the point where about 30 people gather every morning, different time, you know, some people some days, some people other days, but about 30 people on average starting their day on a college campus in Eucharistic Adoration. And then you just see how that spreads itself. The people encounter Jesus in the Eucharist. They, their lives are transformed in that presence, and then they, they desire to share that with other people. They desire, they've been healed. They've come to know that they are loved. Then they seek out the formation that we provide, and then they go out onto campus. And so while we are still just scratching the surface, we see about six to 800 students a weekend for Mass out of about six to 8,000 baptized Catholics on campus. We still have a long way to go in that regard, but we've seen a tremendous growth in our students who are actively involved in our ministry our students who are desiring Eucharistic Adoration, we, we not only have our morning holy hour, we have three additional holy hours of Eucharistic Adoration every evening and on Friday afternoon, and then the, the other local parish here in town, St. Charles Borromeo, has Eucharistic Adoration. A lot of our students are involved, especially, as you can imagine, college students don't mind doing midnight hours of Eucharistic Adoration or being up late. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just, yeah, we, we've, we're seeing that in a small way, what happens when we put that deep love of the Eucharist at the center of our life, and we're starting to see how that's taking hold here. And I desire to, to invite other people to, to see it in their lives, in their parishes, and in their dioceses. I want to come back to that topic of Eucharistic adoration when we get back, but we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Father Patrick Hyde about the National Eucharistic Revival. So stay tuned. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we're talking with our guest, Father Patrick Hyde, who is a Dominican pastor and director of campus ministry there at St. Paul's Catholic Center on the Indiana University Bloomington campus. And we're talking about the National Eucharistic Revival. And before the break, uh, Father, you were talking about... um, I guess just the power and the draw of the Eucharist as it relates to kind of the missionary discipleship that's going on there at the parish. And um, it's really, it's like there's some kind, I mean, obviously Jesus is there, but there's some kind of miracle that happens when people go to Eucharistic adoration. It's just, it's hard to explain. It is, Bridget. You know, it's one of those, I think of it as kind of the anti-spectacle, especially for our young people who have grown up in in, li- in their entire lives with smartphones mm-hmm. and screens in their face, that we go and we sit silently, quietly. Oftentimes, if you go to a local parish or um, a Newman Center or something like that, there's there's really not music playing or much of anything going on. It's just you sitting there in a darkened space with God. <laughs> and 
And I think that there's there's something there because over time, when we when we develop that that virtue of prayer, of going regularly to spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. And, and I think it's important. Eucharistic adoration can take place whether there's exposition, whether there's a monstrance there displaying the Blessed Sacrament, or any time we're in the presence of a tabernacle. We're in an act of Eucharistic adoration where Jesus is present. When we go there again and again and again, over time we start to, 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 to hear that still small voice of Jesus more clearly in the silence of our hearts. We recognize in the graces that we receive how we're called to a, a life of ongoing conversion. But I also think it's important, you know, Eucharistic adoration, especially long periods of silence, is maybe not for everyone, but our lives are called to be Eucharistic. And Eucharistic adoration is a great way of kind of having that pause button, having that time to just sit and be with God, to evaluate your life, to invite the Lord into it, to speak to Him, to invite Him to speak into your life so that in wherever you find yourself in the world, you can go then out, renewed, restored, refreshed, in, in the image and likeness of God that uh, comes to us through that, the great graces of the Eucharist. I think there's people who, um, probably people who don't go to adoration regularly, who are real, um, uh, are kind of afraid, they don't know what to do, what to do. Yeah. during adoration, especially, I mean, you don't have to commit for an hour, that's for sure. sure. You can pop in for five or ten minutes, but but if you go for 20 minutes, a half hour, what do you do? There's a lot of things you don't do, but what do you do? Sure, Jim, well, that's a good question, and I think a good practice, if you're kind of trying to figure that out, how do I t- develop that virtue of prayer, and especially Eucharistic adoration, is just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just go, right? Um Prayer is just, you know, it's kind of, I, I always, prayer is a, is, is a relationship, right? I think it's like sometimes we think, well, do I, if, we, if we go on a first date with someone, should I, what should I say, where should I sit, what should I wear? And in, in one way, that's important, but the most important thing is be yourself. Bring your heart. Bring your good stuff and your bad stuff, and don't be afraid to be who you are. And so, so for some people, they're going to need a regimented 20, 30 minutes. They're going to want to pray the rosary. They're going to want to do their devotions. Other people are just going to want to sit and listen and just, and just release. Um, wherever you are in that, I think it's important to recognize that God loves you as you are. That's the power of Eucharistic adoration, that we can go in all of our beauty and all of our idiosyncrasies and be known and loved. Um, and, you know, we have our holy hour every day for our campus ministry, and it's interesting to see the different patterns of behavior. You know, some people are journaling. Some people are reading from Scripture. Other people are just sitting there quietly. Some people are, are you know, some of the, sometimes as a priest, you're sitting there making notes for a homily. Um, but, you know, it's just, the important thing is giving the Lord that time that where He is at the, where you're in, uh, able to kind of keep Him as the focus of your gaze, again, whether that be in a monstrance or whether that be in a tabernacle, because the Eucharist allows us, or the Eucharist heals us, the Eucharist unites us, the Eucharist forms us. But the Eucharist also then, because we're united to Christ, sends us as part of his mission into the world. And so when we go to Mass, that's an act of Eucharistic adoration. When we just drop by the parish and pop in and spend a few moments before the Blessed Sacrament of the Tabernacle, that's adoration. Allow the Lord to change your life so that you can go forward. And then this part of this, this grassroots revival, that the, this grassroots initiative that the Eucharistic revival is, is an encouragement to the people of God to make the Eucharist the center of your life and then listen to the voice of Jesus as to how he's calling you uh, to go out into mission, to be uh, for the life of the world, as he calls us, 
but in your particular circumstances, whether that be in your family, at work, in your parish, in your, if you have a greater influence in your diocese or beyond. Two, two questions. That we've got, I don't know, about, about maybe 10 minutes left here or so, and I, I can't do math. All right, maybe it's, maybe it's less than that. Jim's giving me a face over there. But uh, <laughs> I'm curious, how, how can people get involved? Where do they start with this uh, National Eucharistic Revival? How do they get involved? Well, I would say the first place to start is because they probably know a lot more about what's going on with regards to the revival at this point than you do, at least I hope, would be contact your, your local bishop or diocesan office or your pastor or both. Um, these first two years are, you know, will culminate with the Eucharistic Congress in 2024 in Indianapolis, but the first two years are about getting people excited and engaged with, this, with the Eucharist. Uh, uh, and in a sense, you know, the, the power of a revival, and I love that language, is that it's not top-down but bottom-up. It's here's this thing we're excited about. How can you revive this in your own life? I mean, the best way to get involved is to take that initiative in your parish, in your diocese, with your priest, with your bishop, and that's how the Eucharist and belief in it and the real presence will spread. It's just like, let's say, this is important to me. I love the Eucharist. How can I share that with others? And you know, our, our, the diocese this first year are throughout the country are working on those on initiatives, and so there may be something going on in terms of formation or or preparation in your diocese. But then that's also leading toward the the second year of the revival, 2023 to 2024, is the parish year. But it's all about each and every one of us who love our Eucharistic Lord being renewed and restored and revived through that encounter and helping others to do the same. So if someone was listening and they thought, okay, I'm going to give this, you know, Eucharistic adoration a try, they could really just go to their local parish and they could just sit in the back of church, even if, like you said, the Eucharist isn't exposed, the tabernacle's in there, they could just sit in the back of church and just say, okay, Lord, I'm here, you know, and just listen and, and what how do you hear God, I guess? <laughs> you know, people, you know, people say, oh, I hear God when I'm there. Well, other people are like, well, I, I, I've got nothing. You know, I'm not hearing yeah. anything. How do you facilitate that ability to just be in the presence of God and just hear him? And that could yeah. be a whole hour interview, but. Oh, gosh, that could be a, a whole, <laughs> there are many books written about that, but <laughs> yeah. um, many lives of saints that are just, entire lives are given to that particular question. I always go to the story of Elijah in the first book of Kings. He's, mm-hmm. he's fleeing, he's running away, he goes up a mountain, there's a storm, there's a fire, there's all this stuff, and he's not hearing the voice of God in that, but it's in this gentle breeze that comes afterward that all of a sudden he recognizes the voice of God. And I think it's a good image for us as we strive in our own life, because we live in a world that is so loud and so big, that we're going to have to weather some storms. We're going to have to have moments where... Things are kind of bearing down upon us. You know, I know in my own life as a pastor and as, even as a consecrated religious and a priest sometimes, it's hard to take that time and to just kind of step back and be like, I'm here to spend time with Jesus, not figure out my schedule for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But I think that beautiful image in the first book of Kings of, of just sitting through those storms, of being patient, of persevering in being present there, then all of a sudden when God speaks, you're there to listen. And so I, you know, prayer is a virtue, it's a, it's a disposition, it's a habit, it's something we have to do. Sometimes, if we're lucky, uh, and particularly grace, like St. Paul, we'll get knocked down our backside and given this beautiful revelation, but most of the time it's 
that constant, persistent choice to open my heart. You know, to spend time. You know, if you're, if your parish or a church if is near your work or on your way to or from, just to stop in, spend five minutes with Jesus. You can go to mass on a more regular basis. You know, when we when we give that little bit of our heart more and more, the Lord and our ability to hear Him become more and more prominent in our life. And so that would just be the place to start. Is what's that next practical step you can take? You know, if you're going to daily mass, maybe it's getting there ten minutes early. If you haven't been to daily Mass in a long time, maybe that's it. If you aren't praying every day, start with that, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, um, and try and find some time where you could go on a regular basis to your local parish to spend time before Jesus in the Eucharist. For those young people that you work with and maybe even um, you know your fellow priests that you know, what kind of fruit do you see in the lives of those who do spend time with the Eucharist, whether that be daily Mass or, you know, in adoration? Sure. Well, I mean, we've certainly seen an, an uptick, as I mentioned, in participation in daily Mass and, and exposition, Eucharistic adoration. But I would say more than anything, the thing that, we, that the Eucharist does is it transforms us to live Eucharistic lives, to become one with Christ in the Eucharist, so that then we can go forward and be His emissary in the world. And so that means... What we see on the college campus when the Eucharist is more a center of people's lives, and they're, you know, because the Eucharist is not just the participation at Mass, it's preparing myself for Mass, going to confession, praying every day, serving the poor. That's a Eucharistic life. And more and more people, we young people that we serve, when we see that when, and their lives become more transformed, they're more open to where God is calling them. So we've seen an increase in discernment of religious and priestly vocations. We've seen you know, a desire to serve the Church more in terms of direct ministry, but we've also seen men and women who are going forward to their careers on fire to bring Jesus to those places. Yeah, so not everybody, you know, ends up in a religious order or, you know, becomes, um, you know, has a vocation to the priesthood of religious life. You know, they may, you know, be married, they may be single for the Lord, but or they may work in the secular world, but there's a lot of there's a lot of missionary um, opportunities out there as well, you know. So uh, you just don't know where the Lord's going to lead you. But it's it's just as you say through this encounter with Jesus that you are open to serving Him and serving others. Correct. Yeah. I mean, the Eucharist is God, <laughs> and when we put that in our life, He changes us, and then we can image God more clearly to others. There is a website you can check out. It's eucharistrevival.org, eucharisticrevival.org. That's E-U-C-H-A-R-I-S-T, revival, R-E-V-I-V-A-L.org. We're out of time. Our guest today has been Father Patrick Hyde. Um, And before we go, um, would you give our audience, um, our listening audience, a blessing? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Lord be with you. And with with your your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. This program and all Faith in Action programs can be heard or downloaded as podcasts from catholicradioindy.org. If you have a comment or suggestion for guests or topics for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget at catholicradioindy.org 
or call us at 317-870-8400. This program has been pre-recorded.